welcome to the Negative Space Podcast, a place where you can come to hear about the interesting things that our neighbors are doing here in our community of the upstate of South Carolina. I'm your host, Sean, and today I'd like to bring you along as I talk to my neighbor, Tony. While we originally met at a dog park, we've learned that our worlds are much closer than we initially had thought, and now I attend jujitsu with Tony and his wife, Abby, in downtown Greer. Before we begin, though, I'd like to take a minute to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Blue Ridge Brewery. Summer is in full swing, and it's that time that you got out there and enjoyed some great food, exceptional drinks, and welcoming hospitality of Blue Ridge Brewery. Whether that's in their main dining hall off the iconic brick of Greer's Trade Street, or their, to their rooftop escape, it transports you to a much more relaxing place in the sun you can enjoy all of Blue Ridge's own creations. Share your Sunday brunch with your family and friends along with Blue Ridge's Birdie Mary, which features a pitcher of the iconic morning adult beverage topped with a full-sized chicken. Come in today and enjoy all that they have to offer at exceptional prices. That's Blue Ridge Brewery at 308 Trade Street in Greer, South Carolina. While I've gotten to know Tony over the last two years, I've come to admire him for his calm demeanor in nearly every situation I've ever seen him in. Practicing jujitsu alongside Tony has shown me that he is consistently working to improve himself humbly, as well as kindly teaching those around him as they do the same. I hope that you find this conversation with Tony enlightening and encouraging. Thank you for having a conversation with me. Absolutely. Uh, introduce yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? How'd you come to be here in Greer? Okay. So my name's Tony, and I came to Greer. Um, I grew up in Spartanburg. Thank you. I grew up in Spartanburg, and I—that's um, where I've been my whole life until I got married after. I went to school, met Abby, as you know Abby. We got married and we were gonna move to Florida, but we ended up, you know, after several life events, we ended up just coming here. And uh, here we are in Greer, where we have roots. Um, Don't plan on leaving. Ended up liking it here a lot more over time than at first, but um, that's kind of life. You know, you just end up where you end up sometimes. Yeah. And that's how I'm here. All right. So you grew up in Spartanburg, that's not too far away. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the same general area that you've always, you know, you grew up in one place. How do you think that has kind of flavored your outlook on where you're going? Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, wow. So I would say my... You mean like my environment and, and where I'm from? Right. Sometimes people like to stay close to home. Other people are like, I have got to get out of here. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if that had any like weight when you started considering not being in the upstate of South Carolina, like in Florida. Yeah, I disliked it a lot growing up. 
as a kid, you want exciting, you want fun. And in South Carolina, there's not too much of that, especially in Spartanburg. But um, the older I got, you know, of course I saw Florida, and that's where I went to college, met Abby. And then we traveled a little bit for our honeymoon, so I got to get out of the house quite a bit and see a little, a lot of the, you know, outside of home before coming back, and that influenced my outlook on home differently from when I grew up. Uh, I ended up liking home a lot more. I realized how stable it was uh, financially. You've got the seasons, all four seasons. It's not crazy packed, crazy hectic. So um, it, it's boring, and and that caters to my. Uh, the kind of personality that I, I am, which is uh, like a homebody, and that caters to me really well. But, you know, we've the things we've been through caters to Abby well. She loves getting out a lot. She loves seeing new places. And um, she encourages me to do so. Uh, I don't hate it, I like it, but my tendency is to be at home, so um, if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. Do you ride motorcycles? No, but no. I, I had one once. You had one once, how long did you? Can I ask about this? Yeah, go for it. How long did you have it? For about a year. I had a Ninja 650, Kawasaki Ninja 650. Yes. And I just, it was one of those things where it's not what you thought it was. And don't get me wrong, I still want one and I still like them. I just didn't ride as much as I thought I would. If it's just you, it's a little not the same as if you ride with Buddy or something. Right. And I, it took me a while to kind of warm up to the safety. <laughs> but other than that, super fun, super fun. Maybe, maybe like if it were in the books right now, I'd get one now, like I would enjoy it more probably. When you were writing, did you have a specific <clears throat> route you liked to take? I did. At certain speeds? I mostly avoided the highway. Because I, I was a new rider, I didn't have the experience, and I did not want to just, I'm risk adverse, so. Okay. Yeah, so um, I would just stay on my main, like main highway, right by my house. Not an interstate, but the main strip, you know. Not too far, just cruising. Okay. What was the fastest you ever went on it? <sighs> Probably like 65 or 70. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I never really got a whole lot of experience um, riding. I never got really comfortable. Oh, Why, do you ride? Or... Uh, so I grew up around motorcycles. My dad had a motorcycle. Mm. All of his friends had motorcycles. Um, I like fast cars because I grew up like when Fast and the Furious was like super big. Um, they got everyone into the car scene. Exactly. <laughs> and that was one of those things yeah. where we would push those Honda Civics that were barely bolted together to 110 miles an hour and they're just shaking. Really? And you're just hoping it stays together. You know, yeah. You know so. what I realized about like going back to my upbringing again? Yeah. Um, about that topic specifically? Um, being very risk adverse naturally and being like Mexican, like my, my, my dad, he was just so adamant about like taking care of your things. Do not race this thing. If you replace it, you bought it. You know, so those two worlds, like, I never got into that scene. Because hmm. it costs money, you, you mess up your car. <laughs> yeah. So, like, 
as far as I got to it was just visuals, like, oh, I love that car, you know, poster, stuff like that, but never, never investing really. in it. And that's kind of where I'm at, I am today, so. If, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. What are you currently driving? I'm driving Abby's car today. Oh. She's got the nice one, but she's out of town. So that's why you have the nice car. That's why I have a nice car, but I drive a Honda Accord. 2005. That's today? That's today. Yeah. That's today? Mm -hmm. What's your car? Your daily driver? That one. That's your That's daily driver? That's my daily okay. driver. She's got the 2020 Honda Civic. Okay. Sport. What happened to the Celica? The Celica? Uh, my yellow Celica. It died. <gasps> the engine just started leaking. It had leakage. Um, I, I mean, I still have it. It's in my garage. But the mechanic said, this is going to be a big fix. And we are not in the mood for a big fix. So I just put it off to the side, maybe for later. I'm hoping to fix it up nicer than it was, have it to be a fun ride. But until then, it's just stocked away, really. Yeah. yeah. I'm a fan of it. It's a fun yeah. little car. It, it, <laughs> every time I saw you in it, it, it was one of those cars that just brought a giant smile to my face. Really? Because it, it's just, it's a yellow Celica. And that, it just, I don't know what it is about that car, but it always made me smile. That's what I love about it. It's got such personality. Like it's a stick shift, it's a short little car. It's about this, you know, standing up, maybe my ribs. Um, it's, it wasn't fast, but it had everything That's else, you know, fine. it's cool. <laughs> I remember seeing you getting out of the car with you, Abby, Messi, and Mina. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you fit everyone in there? And Man. When I first got my car, that Celica at about 17 or 18 years old, that was my first car. I want to say I fit about six people in that car at one point. <laughs> Risk averse in certain areas. In certain areas, not all areas. <laughs> you grab the rest of my friends who are that age or younger, we just want to get to wherever we were to McDonald's, like, all right, squeeze in. We fit another person in the trunk, back seat, had three or four people, you know, way past capacity, but. <laughs> but uh, it survived. It survived. That's a tough little car. Yeah. Tough, made me a fan of Toyota. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the future, when uh, the time is right, I'll get like a 4Runner or something. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm loyal to Toyota after that. Like, and I still want to keep that crappy little car, so, you know, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's a good car. How is Messi doing? <sighs> he got better. He got better. He he was wild. Oh, you saw him, right? Yeah. At the dog park? Yeah. That's how we met. That's how we met. We met at the dog park, and now we see each other in jujitsu all the time, because I don't go to the dog park. No. Not to deviate, no. <laughs> no. Um, well, uh, I kind of switched it up with Messi. So he's calmed down a little bit because he's older still. He's just a high energy dog. Um, and so we have just learned how to deal with him. But we don't go to the dog park anymore because uh, I, I've learned and dabbled a little more into, you know, just what's good for dogs and what's not good for dogs. And me and Abby disagree, you know. Um, but I think dogs should minimize the socializing with other dogs. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Just because they're territorial beings, you know, that's kind of how they're wired. They, they, 
they want to pick a fight with something. Hmm. And if we're going to the dog park, Messi was that, he was that dog. So I was like, it's probably not good for other dogs to have my dog there. And it doesn't seem to do him any good, so um, we kind of just stopped going. Abby thinks the opposite. She's like, no, they should socialize, it's good for them, et cetera, et cetera. So um, good thing is we got a fence in our backyard, so that does it for me. I play with him in the backyard, and I kind of dragged Abby along with that thought process. She's taking him to the park. She's taken them to the park maybe two or three times since I stopped going, so I don't think she'll keep going. So, mm. are, are you still taking Ursa? I take her, actually I take her on walks in downtown Greer. Uh, we this do, is a good spot. It is a great spot. I love it. I can't, you know, I can, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, I can get anywhere from one to five mile walk in with her. Really? Yeah. Oh, so this is a great spot. Yeah, yep. And she loves to walk, and you know, by the end of it, she's done. Mm -hmm. And now she gets to chase around chickens, so yeah. it's a little different. Does she get to the chickens? Uh, she's a little dumb to catch <laughs> a chicken, but she just likes uh, to scare them a little bit, because... She gets a rise out of that. She does, and I think, I think they've like nipped at her once or twice, because they were just trying to... Chickens are dumb and they think everything mm. is food until mm. they, it's proven that it is not food. So even my shoes at this point are food. So like when I go out to feed them, they're like peck, 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 wow. peck. I'm like, you guys know this is not gonna happen. How many do you have? Six. Six. So in the city limits of Greer, you can have a maximum of six hens, mm -hmm. um, then no roosters. So we actually had, somebody had a I don't know how to put put it, but a um, contraband uh, rooster for about six weeks until we all got tired of it and we're like, you have to get rid of it because it wakes everyone up. Wow. It's, it's so loud and obnoxious. I would and they get mean too, yeah. so, cause they're, they're territorial. Mm -hmm. And especially if they have hens, they will definitely be yeah. on a, yeah. Very specific mission to make sure they have what they want. If I were you, I would have vouched the same thing. <laughs> you got loud neighbors, there's, there's no time for that. No. Nope. <laughs> no time for loud neighbors. <clears throat> no, I, I've, you know, for the most part, I've had really good neighbors. I don't know, have you had yes. good experience with your neighbors? All but one. Okay. He's had the cops called on him by a couple, a couple times. Mm. And uh, honestly, we think it's about time before he does something stupid again. Um, the last time we had confrontation with him, it was actually on my birthday, and I remember, because oh, no. we were getting, I had gotten home from work, and we were planning to go to jiu-jitsu after, and that's how I was gonna enjoy my birthday. And then he just, he was drunk, and saying things, and so I, I, this is the first time I've had anything like that happen, where, my next door neighbors being probably dangerous, drunk, he was hurling things in his yard. I was like, I'm definitely calling the cops on this guy. I don't wanna see what happens. That, that was my mentality, so. They came, gave him like a warning, left. I'm like, that's it? And uh, he started yelling, and I thought he was yelling at the cops. I looked out of my window and realized there was no cops. He was yelling at our house. And I'm like, what is he saying? So I opened the door and window. It was a whole fiasco, but oh, man. different story, but long story, <laughs> but uh, don't trust that guy. 
heard. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that you are going back to school. Yes. What are you going back to school for? Uh, I kind of hesitate calling it school. It's not like traditional school, but it's flight school. Ooh, so even cooler. I get to fly planes. And I, I just got back from a flight lesson before we, we met here, so um, I got out a few minutes late, so yeah. But That's totally, that is the best reason to be late to something. I'm sorry, I was flying a plane. <laughs> I'm gonna be late. That's yeah. a good, that's a good excuse. Fly. Yeah, yeah, it's very So you had fun. a flight lesson. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you were in a plane? Yes. Okay, what plane were you in? Cessna 172. Um, it's a small plane. For, if anyone's list, for those listening, it's, uh, it's like the smaller propeller planes. Um, still very much fun. Very much fun. Um, yeah, this, is, this has been my third flight lesson. Second in the plane, the other one was in a simulator. So it's like yeah. a big cockpit, but it's a video game. Um, so you learn. You can crash it on purpose you and not get in too much trouble. Yeah, you can learn more there, more and faster. So, <clears throat> what made you like want to go aviation route? Brother, life is short, and in about one minute of an explanation. A lot goes on in my mind thinking about what you should do in life, why, is this a good reason? From from a very um, Christian background, I'm like, is this where God wants me to go? Um, but I kind of just started thinking, I like to think methodically, so I thought, okay, what's very practical about where I am? I stumbled into the job I was at very recently uh, that I left, which is clinical research. We test the medical devices and medication for efficacy. All it is is a lot of paperwork. So I stumbled upon that and I felt, you know, secure, I guess. You know, that was mundane every day. So, but I rationalized with myself thinking, well, if I stumbled upon that and I hate it, that's not good either. So if I make a calculated decision about where I would like to go, it's probably a lot better. So that's kind of where I got myself out of that rut. Um, but after trying many, many jobs, realizing I'm not going to like many things unless, thank you, I'm not going to like many things unless it's something I specifically choose and go out of my way for. Um, that's how I'm wired. Not a lot of people are wired that way. So I just narrowed it down. Okay, what do I like? I like jujitsu. I like law enforcement. The idea of it, I like firefighting. I thought that would be cool. Um, and then aviation was a really cool one. I was like, mm, I think that one's gonna be the most fun. So let's go with that. But it was a, a long thought process because that one's the most risky financially. Yes. And I'm risk adverse, so I'm, I'm learn I've been learning to grow out of my risk adverseness. So that's kind of where that led me to. Stepping into an adventure, it sounds adventure, like. An adventure, yes. Also, Abby, being married to Abby has a lot to do with my decision making. Not just because like I have to consider her, but like her influence. She's like, go for it. Do the crazy thing. And like when you're married to something like that, you kinda <laughs> you kinda lean a little bit more towards the center, you know. She's very risk tolerant, I'm risk adverse. She kinda dragged me this way, you know. I didn't manage to drink drag her towards risk adversity 
quite, you know, hardly at all. That, 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 it was, you were being pulled more to the center than, more if than it was a tug of war, it would, it would look a little lopsided. Yeah, she at definitely the, At won. this point, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Huh. Being <laughs> risk averse, what is, aside from marrying Abby and going to college, what has been the riskiest choice you've ever made? Ever? Wow. Or just, you know what, in the last year, in the last year. Definitely choosing flight school. Definitely choosing flight school. Uh, before that, probably uh, adopting jujitsu as a lifestyle. Mm. Um, which isn't that risky, but it's a lifestyle change. And I didn't consider that until I made I, the change. I mean, it is actually a risky call. It's, yeah. I, that was one of the things that, you know, we had met and I think we knew each other for about a year, maybe a year and a half before yeah. I even showed up because mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, hold up. You want to let someone choke me <laughs> and that's okay? Yeah. We're gonna wait for that train. But <clears throat> yeah, when I thought that, I was like, oh, this might be dangerous. <laughs> what is the risky, aside from What's the risks that you have to think about when going to flight school? Um, the biggest one people think about the most would be the financial risk. Because you either have to save up money, which would take an eternity, or take a loan. I took a loan, obviously with a lot of thought, observed the downsides, and thought that the, the pros outweigh the cons. So definitely financially. And then you've got you know, if you crash and burn, there's a possibility. Now it's very low, but you know you can't rule that out 100%. Um, I think that's probably the most risk involved. You have mentioned that you do photography. Mm -hmm. What got you into that? That is something that just came out from me internally, like I just, well it started when I had a phone and everyone loves clear pictures, and taking pictures, like everyone loves that. Um, and then um, I have an artistic side, kind of died around middle school, but it's kind of been um, just dormant, you know, I don't draw, like I used to draw but I don't, I don't paint or anything. But. I have that aspect inside and kind of drew me towards pictures and I would love taking my phone to take pictures. I would work on framing and, and angling and lighting and I'd get the apps and edit it and I just loved it and eventually I got a camera when Abby and I got married. I bought a Sony A5100 which is like low tier uh, for our honeymoon and I just took so many pictures of that, they all suck. But I loved it anyways. The, the thing is that it just keeps you going. You just love it so much. I just, it's, there's something so satisfying about seeing like a beautiful image. It's crisp, it's clear, it's got the blurry background, the bokeh. Um, you can adjust it on Lightroom, you know, the, color, the settings, the lights, all that stuff. Like I've just got those gears that want to be turned and I love it. So it just came from inside, I guess. Do you normally, when you're taking pictures, are you <clears throat> taking pictures of something that is 
like a general like you know some people are like oh I always want to find a picture of a, the red barn so like anytime they're out doing something they're looking for red barns to take pictures mm. of is that something that you do or are you just looking for art in the everyday art in the everyday right. I would say that's the case although that is actually a good um, practice skill to do um, I actually saw a YouTube video about a good photographer I follow. He said, um, for one week, choose a color, photograph 10 different things of that color. It's like a challenge yeah. to, to improve your eye for photography. Um, so I should do that, but I don't. I lean the other way where I'll see a random angle and I'll go, oh, I see that. That'd be a great photo, a reflection in a window, a car, whatever, anything in an airplane. Um, my eye just sees things and like I kind of take like a, a mental snapshot and go, oh, that'd be a cool photo, you know. Or I'd like to take that photo and mess around with it, you know. Have you upgraded your equipment yet? Very recently, yes. Ooh, what are you, what's in your kit now? Oh, so I upgraded from the Sony A5100 to a whopping Canon. Um, I forget the name. It is a Canon Mark, no, 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 D6 Mark II. And I think it came out within a year ago. So it's, it's one of the newest ones. Amazing. Like that satisfaction my Sony brought me, just like, it's like on steroids now, you know? It takes way better video, way better photo. It's just like, I want to shoot everything, like my dogs, my shoes, everything. It looks so amazing. Um, so that's recently what I've upgraded to. Nice. Mm -hmm. With that, what do you have, like a set of lenses, or do you just are you just using a single lens right now? What are you? Just a single lens for the Canon. My Sony had um, two lenses apart from the stock lens, so three total. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Canon just one. Just one. Mm -hmm. Is it a zoom lens or is it just a prime lens? Zoom lens. I believe it's 24 to 105 Ooh, the size. That's nice. It's hefty. Yeah. Uh, that's the stock lens that comes with that camera, brand new, um, if you choose that option. That's still not bad though. I want to say <clears throat> it's the size of one and a half fists long. Mm. So maybe, you know. Then added your the camera onto the body. They're yes. adding the lens onto the body, mm -hmm. and then now you're probably about two fists full. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think you can buy it without it, but the, I got the one with the lens, and it's a really good lens. You can also zoom. It's yeah. very powerful and useful. Um, hoping to use it in jujitsu a little more. Uh, pictures of my dogs, <laughs> stuff like that. What got you into jujitsu? Mm. So, Abby got me into jujitsu and it was kind of a prerequisite to date her when we were dating. So oh. <laughs> so we were dating, we were it serious. It was a checkbox. Yeah, it was a checkbox. Wow. It, we were serious and it, it, uh, we had a moment where we were getting serious, we both knew it and she said, so listen, I never wanted to date someone if I could kick their butt. And I was like, okay. And she said, so I've been thinking maybe you should try a martial art. <laughs> uh, it doesn't have to be jujitsu, but maybe you should try something. 
I was like, I see where this is going. And um, I'm very easy going with stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, I don't think I want to do jujitsu. Let me look at, you know, look at what else is out there. My first choice was Muay Thai. I was like, mm, yeah, I like Muay Thai or Taekwondo, like kicking. So I thought that was cool. Um, a few people I look up to do Taekwondo. Well, one guy, a soccer player. But I was like, yeah, either one of those is fine. The problem was where we were in Florida, it was like an hour away to get to one of those Ooh. versus jujitsu, which was in town. So I was like, all right, I'll try jujitsu. Abby was like, my professor Hafa, um, I, he knows all about you. I told him and uh, he'd look forward to meeting you if you come. You know, they already know a lot about you. So uh, I was like, okay. So I came and tried it and I have not stopped training since. That was uh, in, uh, I want to say it was March 2016. 2016, so, so a good near seven years. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's been a while. <clears throat> wow. It, it kind of flew by fast, actually. Flew by fast. What has been the biggest takeaway for you with, with your jujitsu? like making that a life choice? The biggest takeaway from making it a life choice. Like at some point you weren't doing jujitsu and then now you're doing it multiple times a week and you're, uh, do you st still compete every once in a while maybe? I'm not big on competing. Not, not really on I the competing. I should just to, it's good to compete, but I'm not a big competitor. I just love rolling. Yeah. But that, there had to have been a choice like, okay, this is, some people, you know, will do weightlifting mm -hmm. to do exercise. Some people will run to do stuff. You decided that you wanted to have 325 pound men like lay on top of you while you're trying to get out from under them. Like that's a very different, very different choice yeah. Yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, Usually when someone's introduced to it, the explanation does it for them. That's what happened with me. Um, What's the explanation? The explanation is that it's a grappling art. There's no striking in, in the art of jujitsu. And the point is to dominate someone using technique, ending in a submission, which is a choke or a joint lock. And uh, it's a lot of puzzle pieces moving around constantly. So it, that's what grabbed my attention. So I, I understood the point of it and I thought, oh, okay. And then you see people doing it and then you get explained or get introduced to the arm bar, the triangle, and you start understanding what it is and you go, I can do that. Okay, I wish I were like a year past now, but I guess I'll start now, you know? And you know, slow, lo and behold, that's what happens if you know, that's truly what you want. But um, to answer your question, uh, the lifestyle change that came with that from point A, the beginning to now, A to B, I'd say is I'm very aware of what my body's capable of and I would recommend it to everyone if they wanted it. It's fun, it's a lot of fun. It is fun, especially when you start getting not beat up all the time. 
Oh, then it becomes addicting. Yes. It's not. It's not just <clears throat> fun. You yes. can't help but come back. I when I got specifically to that level, where I was just showing up out of like I don't want to not come, like I have to come. It was probably late bluebell for me. It changes with everyone. I actually didn't like it during my first two stripes of white belt. Um, I was just trying to figure things out. But late blue belt, for me, things really clicked. And now, like, if I miss two to three days in a row, like, my mind and body, like, they want to feel like that, the ground, rolling, you know, um, moving my hips, controlling somebody else, or trying to at least. Um, very addicting. Mm. How do you build a community around that sort of interaction? It's easy. <laughs> because once you let people see what you see, they keep coming back. The right people, of course. The right people. Um, hopefully, if you have a good environment, it will filter out people who are not going to contribute at least not in a beneficial way. If you have hotheads, meatheads, people that are in it for the wrong reasons, hopefully they'll filter out if you have the right place. And that's what's happened with our school. Mm. Um, you, you, currently, I don't, I don't see that. Um, but we have had in the past uh, instances where somebody is there, but they're not there for the love of jiu-jitsu. They're there to prove something to themselves or the gym or boost their e ego, seem a certain way, but usually they, they leave um, in, in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So you would definitely recommend jujitsu, mm -hmm. but definitely. keeping at it, because yes. your first time or your first couple stripes on your mm -hmm. white belt might not be the easiest of time, Right. but right. you believe it's worth it. I definitely believe it's worth it. Just because if you try it for a month, five months, six months, I honestly don't think you'll grasp the full enjoyment of it until you are good at it. And on paper, that's like a few years in, you know? It's just, it's a lot of information, but it comes, you know? It definitely comes over time and definitely if you're putting effort into it. Once you get past that point of, I know what's going on, uh, I'm put, pushing the throttle forward, it, and it gets addicting, you don't have to try to come anymore. You'll just come, you know? Um, it's one of those type of things. Do you have any of, any of those things other than jujitsu in your life where <laughs> it's just like, yeah? Uh, yeah, actually, that's a very good question. Um, photography is one of them. I've never had to amp myself up. Like, I just bring my camera. I love it. I love it so much. It, it's a passion. Like, that, that which burns within, you know? It's like something from... Yeah, it's just bubbling inside of you, and it just comes out, and you let it, right? So, photography um, is one of them, jujitsu. Um, my faith actually um, I love learning about it the history the more I learn about it the more amped I get and this is several years back um, it's not brand new but that's definitely one thing um, 
And I can tell because whenever uh, I see it out and about, or hear about it, or learn about it, same thing, it bubbles up and I love it. Um, so I love that. So uh, I want to say those three things. What else? That's probably it. What do you... You, you seem like a very measured person. So I try to be. Try to be. <laughs> I try to be. Every time you're like, just one step at a time. Yeah. So when you have that sort of methodical like thought process, there ha there has to be something that you come back to, like some like grounded like, this is something I know is like for myself definitely true. You mean like sense? the root or thought process that begins? Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, yeah. what for you? What is that? I see. And you can take a minute to think about it because that's that's one of those things. Earlier we were talking about when you made that shift from being like pharmaceutical data analytic data analyst to a flight school like that's a jump but one thing you said in there was <clears throat> you took like you you step back and took kind of uh, look at life is short so why would you want to stay in that point where you're not like you're not really thrilled about it but you're also not it's not torture yet it's a slow death. It's yeah. a slow death. Yeah. So one of the like one of the things that like I, I have like a coin, I don't know that I have it on me now, but it's it says on it, you know, you you only have one life, so give it all. It's and, in uh, is it in Latin? Uh, yeah, it's uh, some Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard so of it. It's philosophy. Yeah, it's a different look outlook on life mm -hmm. than just you know, YOLO, which was popularized <laughs> a decade ago, and YOLO, we're just like, why is that? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I get the point, but also there's, there is a marked shift from YOLO life, you only live once, to... Which leans more towards carelessness, yeah. A, seemingly, yeah. Seemingly. Like, seemingly, like, the people that are like, hashtag YOLO, like, they're jumping off of bridges or something and you're like Ooh. being very risk tolerant exactly yeah. <laughs> but when I think about something like memento mori it's more that measured like okay I'm gonna look at this choice I'm about to make and see what it's going to eventually come about through that yes so, so I wasn't sure if you had yes um <clears throat> So one thing I always go back to when making big choices or just taking a step back is being practical. I think what's, out of all the questions I could be asking, all right, what's the most important, what's the simplest, like how can I just avoid all of the networks and my brain and, you know, you'll never sort through all of that. So. I want to give it a really good example. So, um, for example, when I was studying for my written exam for flight school, I did that first and now I'm doing training. So, 
Um, and this is something I've recently learned to hone in. So it's, it's an analogy to your question. Um, in my mind, it goes everywhere. So when I'm learning the material for flight school, in my mind, there's an infinite amount of items, right? Because I'm reading, it's new. Question number two is new, three is new. So when I, I've, when I review everything, I make it a point to go, okay, this is a section, that's a section. So now I've gone from infinite issues or problems to solve to how many formulas do I need to learn? So I, I hope it's kind of making sense. Like I'm grounding everything so it's less overwhelming. And so I'm thinking, okay, I just need to break down the goal into digestible chunks, uh, which is exactly what happens in jujitsu. When you're brand new, you think a million things. I will never get this. But you ask a black belt, okay, give me the formula, you know? Point A to B, simplify it for me. If, if you ask me, I'm a purple belt. If, if a white belt asks me, like I'm overwhelmed with information overload, I would say, just simplify it. If you need to write, write it down, which I'm that kind of person, I write it down so I can visually see uh, what I'm working with. And then I would say, okay, submissions, control. Okay, what are the, all the submissions? Well, I would recommend the basics, you know, rear naked choke, arm bar, triangle. Okay, you've got top position, bottom position, and passing the guard, working the guard. And that's most of what you're doing, all of what I just said, you know, of course there's nuances, but that's a, a list of five to 10 things you could work on. And if you focus on just those things, your jujitsu would grow exponentially. So um, I just try to declutter my mind and go, okay, if I had to address everything with one or two questions, one or two answers, what would it be? And I go for that thing and just move on. That was a very long-winded answer, but... Um, no, I loved it. <laughs> I think I think that's what gets me through a lot of my decisions or processes. So do you do a lot of writing down of stuff? Um, I am learning to. I don't, but I'm learning to. For me, it's just being patient enough to make a five-minute block of time and take myself through it um, just to, like, grasp it. But Good. I'm getting better at it. Good. So if you had to give advice to a new, let's go with jujitsu student, mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the one piece of advice that they can take, not just to jujitsu, but also with them throughout the rest of their life? Glad you asked that. Someone's <laughs> asked that before and I already have the answer. Good. So, uh, and the, people that do jujitsu think about this stuff all the time. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do think about it's, this it's a lot. Like we out about it but I would say ask questions whatever questions you have ask them and then observe observe a lot and think a lot so that that propels you to ask more questions and better questions and it's kind of like a cycle and that propels you to get where you want to go that's what I would say at least cool well that's that's a good, I mean, that seems like a very scientific, methodical way to go through life, is ask questions, see what happens. You never know. 
I'm glad. You never know. Yeah, I'm glad you think so. I like it's, to think it's that way too. <laughs> it's great advice, and I think um, I think there's that. Uh, what I always forget the exact way it's quoted, but it's like, <clears throat> knock and the door shall be opened. Ask and you'll be answered. It's like, oh, yeah, you should. It's like, oh, wait, I can I can do this. Like Put this a is spiritual a, spin. On this that is a little thing. thing that I can do. Like. Not just in this one aspect. Like I can do it in every aspect you can of adopt my it life. Everywhere. You could adopt what? it to in the kitchen to cooking. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, being a parent, a dog owner, at your work. At work. It yeah. gets me in trouble at work. Yeah. Because I start asking questions, and they're like, "Why are you asking questions?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I just want to know That's because hilarious. this is kind of a thing we have to walk through." Yeah. So. I think it's good to be curious at work. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I, I would can't hope. imagine they would slap your hand for that. But. Well, it's not. It's not that. Okay. It's just gotcha. sometimes, sometimes you ask questions that people don't want to answer. Yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. Now I see what game we're playing. So. But um, I'd like to interrupt you for a second because yeah. I want to ask you oh. a similar, the same question because when you asked me that, I also remembered watching you. I was taking a rest round. This is about jujitsu. I was taking a rest round, and I'll, I happened to be watching you. Um, and this popped up in my head when we were talking about that. I saw you execute an armbar perfectly. It was textbook. Um, but I could also see your thought process. It was like a machine. You were like, mount, post, grab the arm, turn your hip, extend. And I saw, it's like your body was explaining to me what to do in the armbar, I was like, that was textbook, man. So, mm -hmm. like, um, is that how you have adopted jujitsu or, or the learning process? Or what kind of questions did you find yourself having? With jujitsu specifically? Yeah. So, I remember when I first got in there, I was very overwhelmed. And I was like, okay, how do I do this? How do I make this work? Because it wasn't, you know, it's not clicking. Um, now, what I've, I've done that thing. I'm like, okay, I have to simplify my game. There are certain things I have to have in order. One, always protect yourself. Um, keep your back arched, your neck as far away from your opponent as possible. Yeah. Because, look, I can live without an ankle. I cannot live without a neck. So the it's extremities. that. Exactly. I'm like, okay, what is the core thing I have to protect in this game? Yeah. It's my neck. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of, those are the sorts of questions that I've been asking. And, you know, there have been, uh, I apologize, we actually just had a um, seminar with. Elio Soneca. After oh, him. Homulu, yeah. Homulu. Homulu Hayes. So he was teaching us this really weird movement where you had to get, <clears throat> basically you were holding someone with lasso guard. Yeah. And you were in lasso guard and then you had to do this like spin around, mm -hmm. which was absolutely insane. Into the triangle. Into a triangle. Yeah. And I was like, I was looking at him and I'm like, I know you guys are doing this, but how is it working? And yeah. I remember asking him, like, I'm sorry, 
what what am I supposed to be pushing off with? Because I yeah. don't see it. Because when you're when there are so many limbs intertwined, you can't always see exactly what's going it's on. It's multidimensional. Yeah. yeah. So then he was like, oh, you have to have three pivot points. And I'm like, what? And so you had to have your hip down, your knee down, and your shoulder down. And I was like, oh, now I get it. So you have to arch back, like you have, you hit those three points, and then that's when your brain is supposed to. It's I forget the term, but there's like a. I started doing long range shooting. Mm -hmm. So in long range shooting, you have a point of decision. So when you make the decision, I'm going to shoot this thing, you actually work through physiological, mechanical steps. So as soon as I figured it out that that's what was going on, I was like, oh. And then I was like, okay, when these three things happen, now I can kick out and I can spin around. And he was like, oh, that was exactly yes. what you're supposed to do. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. It's like a short checklist. Exactly. And that short checklist is Yes. You are committing to making a choice. There is no going back from the choice you are about to make. You'd better be ready <laughs> to make it. Because in jiu-jitsu, it could, you know, it could put you in a worse position than you started in. You compromise yourself. If exactly. Done, um, incorrectly, yeah. Exactly. And I've, like, that's kind of been where I'm at, like, with life. It's like, don't put myself in a place where I'm compromised in yeah. that. It's like, mm -hmm. protect your neck. <laughs> right, right. So. Be aware of the risk involved once you pull the trigger. Yeah. 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 So. Exactly, that's yeah. a good explanation. Yeah. I'm glad you put it that way. So, it's been, it's been a very fun journey. And, you know, I've only, like, really gotten hurt a couple times, and I'm very thankful for that. Like you said, we have a very caring community of participants, which has been. I would say so. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and uh, for the most part, I think you can avoid serious in injury. Yeah. I've uh, tweaked some things here and there, and it happens. Yeah. Some I did to myself, some others did to me, but for the most part, I'm in one piece right now, and nothing's seriously hurting, so I think You're doing your body right. moves on. So. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't remember too much. I know. Ho <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. Tony, thank you for sitting down with me today and having a Absolutely. nice conversation. Absolutely. It's nice to get Thanks to know you more. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, we'll see you in jiu-jitsu next time. I'll see you in the next class. Cool. <laughs>